Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hi, I'm Mackenzie Atwood, and this is Steven Selects. It's our behind-the-scenes look at some of the Steven Universe fan-favorite and pivotal episodes. Writers Ben Levin and Matt Burnett have been joining us every week to share some of the fun facts about the creation of these episodes. And so they're here again today to do the same for Monster Reunion. With my future vision... I can see you're going to ask if you could use your power to heal one of the monsters in the bubble room. Can you see if I'll get you to change your mind? We also have storyboard supervisor Hillary Florido jumping in later to answer some of the great questions that you guys have been submitting to my Twitter, at MK Atwood, and to the official Cartoon Network Twitter. So, let's get into Monster Reunion with Matt and Ben. Thank you guys so much for coming back. Yeah, yeah thanks for having us. Cool, yeah. So, so first off, I wanted to ask about... Uh, how the episode changed from conception to the the final product we all watched. Uh, I think there were like two major ways in which it changed. Uh, the first was like right up top that the episode began with like Stephen making a comic, which kind of like set up the drawing that that comes later in the episode. And it was it was just a funny gag where he's like, "I'm not doing like fantasy stuff. I'm doing slice of life." But his like slice of life comic still had like giant green monsters in it because that's what he does <laughs> in his everyday life. <laughs> Uh, right. But then he gets like a paper cut and he's like, ow, and he sucks his finger because it hurts. And when he pulls his finger out, it's like sparkling and it's been healed. Uh, and that was going to set up mm. like, oh, my, my powers are back. But it got changed to that MC Bear Bear gag where he like heals the toy when it gets ripped. My healing spit is back. I fixed a rip on MC Bear Bear. Here, I'll show you. And then it also mm-hmm. – there's just other stuff in the episode like the – the gems did, I think, a lot more exposition and explaining about like what corruption is and what happened to Centipedal. They did it at the top of the episode after they unbubble Centipedal and they realize, oh, she's not fully healed. There was like an idea that the gems would basically just kind of lay out uh, a large part of the story that then like Centipedal later retells, and we like walked it back because it's like we don't need to hear it twice, and it's it's just more powerful and interesting coming from centipedal in that that drawing sequence and and still leaves some 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 of the mystery there that i think we want it to continue moving forward yeah i think another thing that sort of i wouldn't say if it was in the outline but a, a concept for this episode that we had was that um centipedal's experience of time originally there was this idea that when centipedal wants to rush to the drop ships that she sort of thinks that she's you know that the uh, attack that hurt her had just happened and that she was like oh no i might be missing this ship right or she's still under the impression that oh they issued the order to evacuate i got separated from my friends i need to evacuate i need Mm. to she's she's just she's like almost just thrown back into that moment yeah and so that's that's what's pushing her to you know go to that area but then i think you know through the episode it just got simplified to it's just like my friends what happened to my friends where are they i need to see them but that was Mm -hmm. in our minds as for what was going on with her and and sort of not really knowing where she was Mm -hmm. as far as the thousands of years yeah Mm -hmm. that transpired so you just sort of get reset to that moment like a like a groundhog day type situation yeah yeah i think that like you know 
when gems are bubbled and then they they freshly pop out like they're kind of they've been put in stasis and they're popping out thinking that they're popping out just at the moment they were bubbled and with the corrupted gems we're kind of like resetting them to that moment every time they get bubbled so i think that was what we were thinking but yeah it's just you know it's a it's a little complicated of an idea that is made even more complicated by the fact that we're not allowing her to speak at yeah. all in this episode mm. <laughs> so it just yeah just re- it got reduced and simplified to just the emotion just the emotion you know yeah which is all you really need it. yeah of course yeah but what was the decision that you guys made um to wipe the memory for corrupted gems like from when we last saw her with the japs and everything in season one why did you guys decide narratively to do that i think it was partially to function to serve that that idea that we kind of didn't do of that like oh she's confused about what time she's in because if she can remember Mm. that she hung out with steven before then it you know it would be a harder sell that all of a sudden she thinks she's you know thousands of years in the past so i think that might have been one of the reasons we reset her but yeah overall i think that monsters the more corrupted you are the it's because it's affecting your mind the less you really know of who you were and what you were you know what you Mm -hmm. were doing so I think we were just playing off of that because I, I think that like, you know, with the monsters in the beginning of the show, you just you just think they're monsters. You don't know what they are. Once you learn that they're gems, it contextualizes them fighting the monster. They are gems fighting the monsters differently. Mm. Uh, you feel more sympathy for them. So I think the more that they are, the, the less they feel sentient, the less they feel in control, that they would be better for them to be in this bubble, I think, the better. So that, that's kind of like why they are they can't really remember stuff. And why when Steven unbubbles Centipedal, but she can't talk, and they're like, let's just put her back, Amethyst feels like they feel bad about it. Because like, ah, you know, she's kind of there. Like, I don't want to... They feel bad. Mm-hmm. They don't want to hurt someone right, that right, is right. aware. Mm-hmm. And Centipedal's more aware now. Amethyst. Uh, sure. I'll poof her. Yeah, that was kind of a heartbreaking moment when they shielded his eyes and everything. And you were like, are they really about to do this? Like, dang. Yeah, this yeah. this one's full of heartbreaking uh, <laughs> moments. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're. It's a bad situation. They're trying to make the best of it, right. and, and but then that, I mean, even that arcs in the episode though, because they yeah. allow her to stay out. And I think that you know, the, as as Stephen learns more, you know, the crystal gems, you know, they're sort of recontextualizing things and, and thinking about things a little differently. So this this flat statement of like all corrupted gems, we gotta contain them. I think maybe they're starting to think about things a little differently because Stephen's helping show them a way to think about them differently, about healing them and, and showing them that there really are gems. They know it in theory, but, like, showing it to you that, like, there really is a person inside of here makes them kind of change their attitude and soften a little bit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She can stay unbubbled, but you have to understand, some gems are beyond our help. So, like, what made you guys decide it was time to bring Centipedal back from having seen her in season one? I think that... um at this point in the show, we had done a lot of episodes that had followed Peridot's arc, the cluster, Yellow Diamond, and we wanted to make sure that we carried through that thread that we had um, from earlier season or earlier episodes in the seasons about the monsters and what's going on with them. Uh, make sure that that stayed alive as as a an overarching thread through the show of like there are these other gems, they were corrupted. Um, they, you know, what can they do about this problem? What can our gems do? Yeah. Mm. Um, 
Yeah. And so like, you know, I think we're always like, as we, as we write the show, um, we're constantly sort of juggling these different ideas. Cause there's a lot of concepts that, you know, are around there's like, you know, there's Steven, this human side, the gems arcs and this like story of the, you know, Rose and the war and what happened. So we're kind of always trying to balance those, those themes and not let it become about one thing too much. Yeah, and I feel like, you know, the the threads of the monster corruption and then all the stuff with Homeworld and, and Peridot and everything, it all intertwines and, 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 you know, as the seasons go on, we see how everything kind of starts to relate and, and the stories, elements from the different kind of threads cross over. But, um, yeah, like it's not right not to say that it, you know, to keep it at one thing, but they all right. do relate. I think that like also this was a chance to give a perspective another perspective on those events that happened you know again like you see m- most everything from steven's point of view and the crystal gems because that's who he his friends are and his family and it's interesting for us to show someone on the other side and what happened to them and you know in their sort of confusion they might like like a little similar to lapis centipedal was there for a job and stuff ha- happened that they weren't you know maybe didn't have a, a stance on uh, but they were in the middle of it and got caught up. In- and it was also helpful for the episodes coming up with the Jasper stuff and, and how she was going around collecting monsters and, and then eventually mm-hmm. she becomes corrupted. It was like, oh, we want to make sure we kind of reintroduce these concepts fresh in a nice little standalone episode to remind everyone so that then when we want to do the Jasper stuff, we don't have to – include in there like an explanation that like oh this is like a mental corruption and their minds are broken and and Mm. and the audience just feels a little bit more prepped going into that stuff so yeah like that's like an instance of where like oh the the monster thing and the homeworld stuff is gonna it's gonna cross over and intertwine Mm -hmm. i feel like it's a lot more affecting to having seen what it did to centipedal knowing that that's what's happening to jasper you're like oh no yeah yeah Um, yeah yeah. it's rough (laughs) Uh, what went into that scene where Senti's like recounting her past with all the the crayons and stuff? Uh, well, I think yeah, we were trying to show what it would be like. You know, I think you'd seen at this point we've seen Lapis and her story about being trapped on Earth in a same old world, uh-huh. and you've seen her perspective of being found and lost forever, and it's another snapshot of what it was like to be on the ground during this gem war and then just this confusing thing coming from the sky and suddenly you don't remember anything. You know, that's what we wanted to convey and we just had to find a way simply to do it through drawings. We'll just talk through the language of art. You know, I think that the approach of this episode was like, is sort of like a flowers for an Algernon type story. Uh, and we were trying to... Yeah. Uh, and I think we wanted to have this character tell a story in a way that would be visually interesting. So this drawing concept was like, oh, it'll be fun to like have these simple drawings. Yeah, I think one of the things that, uh, you know, is talked about a lot with the show is that the whole thing is done through Steven's perspective and we really, we really aren't allowed to see things that he can't see with his mind so that puts us in a situation sort of by choice that like we're not going to do it's hard to do straight flashbacks i know we've done them but like we try and avoid doing a straight flashback to just seeing the war fully animated and stuff it would be kind of an easy thing to do but it's fun to find these clever ways to show the past without you know doing like a lord of the rings prologue style like this is what happened and you get to see it like it's just 
I don't know. It's just fun. That's why, like, even episodes like The Answer are stylized. I mean, mm-hmm. that's a conversation we have a lot. It's like, would Steven have seen this? Can he remember this? Does he know what this person looks like? So that, that impl- in, right. you know, informs us as, can we do a flashback like this? So for The Answer, like, that was stylized because it's sort of a, it's a story being told to him and he's imagining it in this more fanciful way. And it's sort of why you don't see Blue Diamond fully. Yeah. You yeah, because he doesn't know what she looks like. And I guess the ones the th- the episodes that break this rule are all the Greg flashbacks. Mm-hmm. But maybe Greg is just such a compelling storyteller <laughs> that he's able to paint such a picture yes. that but it was, looks like an episode of a TV show. I think that was a thing that. Um, <laughs> but there was a thing where remember Joe um, and Jeff. We were gonna do, we did Lion first. Uh-huh. We were gonna originally do Story for Stephen first, uh-huh. um, and. Then they were like, we want him to see Rose on tape before oh, we yeah. hear the story of her so that oh. it would match this feeling of like, you know, he's not imagining his mom and hearing her speak before like actually seeing some evidence of it, you know, like. Yeah, like he hears her voice. So whenever we flash back, we can have it be her voice because he now has an idea of what she sounds like. Yeah. Clever. Oh. Clever Joe and Jeff. <laughs> so this stays true to that. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Right, right, right. So there's a couple more, like, details and things that are thrown in this episode. One that stuck out to me was, like, just the detail about Corrupted Gems not being able to use warp pads. And it was like, oh, you know, like, that's such a, like, what, what was the point of something like that, you know? She, you know, she was out of control. She needed, she needed Steven's help to get to this place. And so he was able to do that for her. And that, that's, something, that's a rule we had in our heads just because... If we've had these monsters wandering around the Earth and there is a gem warp pad somewhere, yeah, the idea that they just warp to like inside, even accidentally inside the temple. So we made it so that like <laughs> uh, the way a warp pad works is that you have to sort of conceive of where, you know, you're going in some way. It's, you're using your mind. Right. Yeah. And their and, minds are broken in a way that it doesn't allow them to use it. Yeah. For the yeah, the purposes of the episode, it facilitates Stephen being like, "I'll help you. Just tell me somehow you're losing, you know, control of your." Yeah, but it was an unspoken rule for us, just as a function of, mm-hmm. of not having monsters just show up in his house constantly. Yeah, <laughs> that would be an issue. Yeah. Okay, guys, thank you so much for coming on and talking to me again. Yeah, it was great. Oh, yeah. So you guys have sent in a ton of questions to my Twitter, at MK Atwood, and to the Cartoon Network official Twitter, and we're doing our best to get as many as possible answered over the course of these episodes. So coming up, Steven Universe Storyboard Supervisor Hillary Florido is helping us out with some of those questions. Okay, Hillary Florido is here with me answering your questions, and the first one comes from Artildol. Uh... They want to know, how do you stay motivated to keep on creating? Well, certainly for Steven Universe, it's my job. Right. And, <laughs> and it's a episode machine. As far as personally, actually, I think having just any job helps me stay motivated because I want that balance, well, especially because Steven is Steven and then I have personal work. So that kind of doing Steven motivates the personal work because I, I need that balance. It, it helps me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The work-life balance. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Alphys uh, wants to know, what is your favorite part of your job? Favorite part of my job? Um, this feels like a cop-out answer, but that there are many parts. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's so many components to working on the show where you are, I guess, 
kind of repeating because you keep doing episodes. There's always something new to tackle. There's always a challenge. There's always, why can't I draw this one perspective? And then you gotta, you gotta do it and you gotta figure it out. Yeah, and I mean, when I say favorite, it doesn't necessarily imply like it's fun. Challenging stuff is fun. It keeps it interesting. Right, right. Mix it up. I like it. I like it. All right. So now we have a question from Kelly who wants to know when someone joins the team, what is the process like getting them up to speed? So when I was storyboarding, I often got the newer storyboarders. And certainly I've joined, I mean, I joined Steven in midway through first season. And you kind of just have to let them jump in. You You just got to drown a little bit. You let them drown a little bit. And then you... (laughs) And then you help them out with questions. Because the thing is, you can't, you want to be there for them, but if you hold their hand too much, you're kind of hurting them. Mm-hmm. They can't really come into their own. So, <laughs> you watch them. <laughs> you watch them jump into the team. And if they have questions, you answer them. Guess <laughs> it's kind of mean, maybe. <laughs> it's tough love. It's okay. Right, right, right. That makes sense. Um, question from Harland. Uh, who wants to know, did any of doodles or offhand ideas end up in the show in some form? That definitely happens. I'm trying to think of any specific one that happened. Mm, you know, it happens, Harland. I'm sorry, I can't give you a specific, <laughs> a specific time. All I can think of is all the stupid doodles that didn't get into it. I drew a series of, like, Stephen... He was, like, using Lapis as a skateboard and as, <laughs> and as like, a uh, luge. It was just, like, Lapis has a flat object. And obviously that really, you know, didn't have a lot of play in the series. But definitely there are <laughs> doodles that do sneak in there, and it's great. It's fun. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. We have a question from Landon. How do you avoid over-editing an outline rather than finishing it? Well, the good news is... When you're boarding and making an episode, you're on a deadline. So you have to finish it. And you can certainly hem and haw Mm -hmm. on editing and adding and subtracting. But there's a due date and you got to turn it in. And also it's a group activity. You're working with numerous people and you're getting a lot of feedback. So if you're worried about over editing, someone has your back. Cool. Okay. Thank you so much for coming on and talking to me, Hillary. No sweat. The Crewniverse will answer more questions next Thursday, so if you have one, send it to my Twitter, at MKAtwood, or to the official Cartoon Network Twitter, and please use the hashtag StevenUniversePodcast, and watch all the episodes of Steven Universe on Cartoon Network or on the Cartoon Network app. The Steven Universe Podcast is produced by Stacey Para, Charles Abadje, and Conrad Montgomery. Special thanks to Rob Sorcher, Cartoon Network Studios, and the Crewniverse. Join me along with writers Ben Levin and Matt Burnett again next week as we go behind the scenes of Season 3 episode, Monster Reunion. And please be sure to subscribe to the Steven Universe podcast at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And please leave us a five-star rating and review while you're there. I'm Mackenzie Atwood, and I will see you next Thursday. <laughs>